0: It's Curious City, where we take your questions about Chicago and the region and investigate. Report. Explore. From WBEZ. Last year, Dion McGill started a new job at 680 Lakeshore Drive. It's at Streeterville building with the blue and gold tower on top. Anyway, he was pretty excited for a lot of reasons, and one was this glamorous-looking nightclub on the ground floor. A sign on one side of the door listed jazz greats who'd played there, like Tony Bennett, Liza Minnelli, and Lionel Hampton. And on the other was this elegant gold-lettered sign that read,
1: The Gold Star Sardine Bar, um, and I'm a jazz fan, so I was really interested in it. But You know, Lionel Hampton and all of that. <laughs>
0: Even though the club had been closed for more than 20 years, Dion heard it had been preserved inside. So he rode into Curious City asking about the history of the Gold Star Sardine Bar. I'm Curious City reporter Monica Heng, and I picked up Dion's question because the answer digs up a shiny little treasure of Chicago history. It tells the story of music, movie stars, and one man's dream for bygone glamour how that dream was ultimately funded by, well, gourmet groceries. To tell the story, I've tracked down court records and a bunch of folks who worked and frequented the bar during its 14-year run, beginning in 1983. They include Tribune senior writer Rick Hogan.
2: It was in the uh, early 80s when I first walked into this place and it made an assessment right away that, wow, this place can only seat 30 people, maybe Sixty,
0: And some say that's where that name, the Sardine Bar, came from. Folks were packed in like sardines.
2: It was the tiniest place I'd ever been in my life, but there was something undeniably magical
0: about it. Tribune arts critic Howard Reich agrees.
1: I think in over 40 years of listening to music in Chicago, I've never encountered a club remotely like it. And it didn't matter how crowded or packed in you felt, you knew you were there in this little cocoon of elegance that had no peer anywhere in Chicago or anywhere in the country for sure.
0: This cocoon of elegance featured a brass trimmed bar in one corner and a Maryland stage in the other. Huge iconic prints filled the walls, and a neon sign above the stage read, Love Always in French. And then there were the cigarettes
2: to my very much liking at the time, free cigarettes and jars on all of the tables. That's one of the things that the Gold Star became so famous for, was free cigarettes. Also, never a cover charge.
0: The club was the brainchild of Bill Allen, a co-founder of Chicago's Treasure Island grocery store chain. These were the first big stores to import fancy European groceries here. And one was in the 680 Lakeshore Drive building. So Allen funneled his knowledge of the grocery business into his nightclub business.
2: Bill was an entrepreneur from the word go. Uh, Kind of manic, but uh, wonderfully so.
0: Longtime Gold Star performer Patricia Barber remembers the club as a marriage between Alan's gift for marketing and devotion to a bygone era of music.
1: He was a Frank Sinatra fan in a big way, Peggy Lee fan in a big way. He was a big American classic song book fan. That's what he was.
0: And by the American classic songbook, Barber meant songs by composers like Cole Porter and George Gershwin, whose tunes were popular in the New York cabarets of the 1950s. Allen spent some time in New York after the Navy, and for years he dreamed of recreating that scene in Chicago.
2: He had these wonderful memories of the New York clubs in the 40s, 50s. This is not something that would uh, warm my heart. He said, it's like New York in Chicago.
0: But if he was going to recreate the experience of that bygone era, he'd have to actually book some of the top people who performed back then in this tiny club and pay them handsomely. So he called up Debbie Silverman Krolick. She's the Chicago publicist for the great Tony Bennett. She recalls picking up the phone and hearing an unfamiliar voice. My name is Bill Allen, and I got to get Tony Bennett into the Gold Star Sardine Bar. I said, the what? She'd hardly heard of the place, but said she'd make the request. And miraculously, Tony Bennett said yes. Now, how Ellen could afford to pay Tony Bennett, I'll get to that later. But that amazing show put the gold star on the map.
2: It had to be you. After it was over, Bill calls me up. And he says, well,
0: sugar, it's you and me now. Alan asked her to be his publicist, and she says she agreed in part because he wanted to make the bar world famous. And he had a master plan.
2: He used a philosophy that's used in grocery stores. It's called the lost leader, where you put something up on sale, draw people in.
0: And that big shiny sale item would be big names in jazz cabaret.
2: People who could have played places like the auditorium, for God's sake, Julie Wilson, Tony Bennett... Liza Minnelli, Lionel Hampton. And once you've got them in, they're hooked, and then they'll keep coming back over and over.
0: So every six weeks or so, he'd have a surprise guest. Former Chicago Sun-Times jazz critic Lloyd Sachs reviewed a lot of those shows.
2: I remember one gig, the great Stan Getz had his quartet there. Mm-hmm. And uh, just the opportunity to see Stan Getz from, you know, 12 feet away with one of his greatest bands ever was like, you know, how did they do that?
0: The Gold Star reached its apex in the summer of 88. That's when Allen announced a series of shows by the cabaret great Bobby Short. Thousands of people wanted to be there.
2: The act drew something in the neighborhood of 7,000 people, which is more than 100 times what that place could hold. Who acted as MC but the sitting governor of the state of Illinois, Jim Thompson? Why am I just as happy as a child?
0: But Chicago's power brokers didn't just show up for the big shows. Barbara remembers a revolving cast of them all week long.
1: Well, you had everybody who was anybody in Chicago uh, at the Gold Star. So you had socialites, politicians, all the mayoral troops, the general council, lots of movie stars. I met Kurt Russell. I met Gene Hackman. And all of them got surprisingly
0: quiet for the performance. Alan wouldn't even allow drinks to be served when someone was playing.
1: We would give them a nice break so they could drink and chat, do their mergers and acquisitions, and make their deals. Remember, it was the 80s, so people were making deals.
0: On top of the big stars and powerful clientele, the Gold Star was known for some quirky foods, like White Castle hamburgers they'd buy daily and reheat in the microwave. Also a weirdly famous chicken salad sandwich and ice cubes made from Perrier water. But beyond all that, the Gold Star served up a strong lineup of local talent. These included singers like Spider Saloff, socialite Shelley MacArthur Farley, and of course Patricia Barber. She's now a successful national act with a regular slot at the Green Mill. She remembers the Gold Star is a great place to hone her craft.
1: It was an interesting way to to grow up and to see how a big city works.
0: But Barbara says her relationship with Alan was contentious from the beginning. When she first tried out for the job, she didn't even tell him she could sing.
1: Because I have stage fright, and it's just always been easier for me to play the piano. Anyway, so he said, show me what you got. So I went up to the piano and played, and he hired me right away. And then again, about six months into tenure, I started singing. And he was like, oh my God, I taught her how to sing. I taught Patricia Barber how to sing. So from that point on, he told everybody that he taught me how to sing. You give your hand to me.
0: Barber says Alan could be brilliant and charming but he could also try to humiliate her in
1: front of the audience. Bill was uh, volatile, to say the least. He would shout across the room, Gershwin can't write! Gershwin doesn't know how to write a song! Don't ever do any George Gershwin in this place again! Okay? So everybody in the club hears it. I hear it. I laugh. Okay, so we take a break. Then I come back up and I do an entire set of George Gershwin. I wasn't sure if he was going to turn off the electricity, if he was going to throw tomatoes at me. I didn't know exactly what he was going to do. Sometime.
0: Despite these sometimes tense moments, Barbara says she stayed there for almost a decade because most of the time it was still a great place to make and hear music.
1: I mean, you can talk about the Gold Star in all its glory, and it, and it did have that. And then, of course, there was a darker side to it.
0: There were hints of that darker side when people tried to figure out how Allen could afford such big acts in such a tiny club. A club that didn't charge people to get inside or require them to buy drinks. And keep in mind, these were acts who could fill auditoriums and command a lot of money. Again, here are Lloyd Sachs, Rick Hogan, and Debbie Silverman Krolick. There was
2: always the feeling of a, a kind of a vanity project with the gold star. I mean, unless... People were buying a lot more drinks than I thought they were. I mean, lost money, there's no question about it. So they've said, okay, it's like a hobby. Some people play golf. Some people have affairs. This was Bill's golf and this was Bill's affair. I honestly don't know
0: how he scraped up the money to do this. The Gold Star Dream ended abruptly in the fall of 97 when the club suddenly shut down. The building owner said Allen owed $20,000 in back rent, but Allen claimed he was being overcharged. His nephew and lawyer at the time, John Malavitas, says the club was also losing money, and his uncle was tired and in poor health. In a separate case the next year, Allen pleaded guilty to conspiring to defraud the IRS. Reports said he admitted siphoning off more than a million dollars from Treasure Island by submitting fake invoices to the store's bookkeeper. He said he used some of it to support the Gold Star. In the end, Allen lost his stake in Treasure Island and was sentenced to probation. He died in 2001. But this complicated ending doesn't tarnish the Gold Star for people like Kogan and Reich.
2: It was, in a sense, I think, the last gasp of big-time, intimate entertainment. Tony Bennett at Ravinia is not Tony Bennett at the Gold Star Sardine Bar.
1: It was like Brigadoon. It appeared and then it was gone. And you wondered, how did that even happen? How did that even come true? But for a while, it did.
0: I met up with question-asker Dion to tell him what I'd learned, and it left him feeling, well, like Bill Allen, wishing for a bygone era.
1: I wish it were still there, how great would it be where I could sit 20 feet from Michael Buble or sit from Harry Connick Jr. And you hear this amazing music, that concept in and of itself, like, oh, amazes me. Um, And I'm so glad that I now know this.
0: Oh, and by the way, the Gold Star space was recently leased to Northwestern University. They're keeping the signs outside the door, but remodeling the inside as a student workspace. And they're calling it the Sardine Bar.
1: All of me, why oh, not take all of me?
0: Curious City is edited by Alexander Solomon. Our audio producer is Jesse I Dukes. Catherine Nagasawa is our multimedia producer, and our intern is Mackenzie Crosson. Curious City is supported by the Conant Family Foundation. I'm Monica Eng. Your goodbye, they left me with eyes that cried. How can I get along? While well, I have you, we want to hear from the transplants. Did you move to Chicago or the region for a job or with your family or for some other reason? If so, we want to know what you love about Chicago that you weren't expecting. Sure, most people know we have signature pizza, famous buildings, big parks, but what part of our city surprised you that you now love? a particular neighborhood walk, or a place you'd like to explore. And yes, we know it's a friendly city. But maybe there's a tradition, a spirit, an element of the culture that you just fell in love with. To share what you love about Chicago, you can message us on Facebook or Twitter. Or you can leave us a voicemail at 888-789-7852. Or if you want, you can record a voice memo on your phone and email that to us at CuriousCity at WBEZ.org. The hotline again is 888-789-7752. And our email, CuriousCity at WBEZ.org.
1: Next time
0: on Curious City... The Dill Pickle Club, just north of downtown Chicago, was a gathering place for artists, poets, prostitutes, political radicals, musicians, and working folk in the early 20th century. And the reason why people were attracted there is the same reason why kind of creatively minded people settle in certain parts of the city today, which is like the rents were cheap. But the club's popularity might have helped bring about the end of that cheap rent. That's next time on WBEZ's Curious City.
2: And rewind. NPR's Through takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Through wherever you get your podcasts.